Good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman. You know, the Lutheran who believes, but, well, has some questions. Well, in short, that program's designed for someone just like me. You know, there's a lot I simply do not understand. Now, it doesn't have to be something soul-shaking. It might be something that's just been on my mind for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep theological verse-by-verse chapter-by-chapter discussion, a casual front porch-style talk with the pastor is often the best way to understanding. And, well, that's what this program's all about. And today's guest is Andrew Preuss of St. Paul and St. Trinity Lutheran Churches in Iowa. He serves two two parishes up there. Now, I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. Now, you can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org, Or you can call in at the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, it's area code 314-8210-850. And if you're anywhere in North America, toll free. You can call us at 1-800-730-2727. Pastor Preuss, welcome aboard, sir. Hey, thanks for having me again. Oh, love to have you here. Looks like the weather's finally broken here, and I guess it has for you up there in Iowa as well. Yeah, it has. I was I actually just got back from uh, Fort Wayne yesterday. I went to the symposium. Well, sort of. Uh, just kind of uh, went there for a couple days, and uh, it was really cold there. We we could barely uh, barely stand outside. So <laughs> so it's nice to have that break now. Yeah, it was like that here. Uh, you know, a couple of days ago, it was really just <laughs> grotesquely cold, and I'm I'm glad yeah. we're over that. At least for the while. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, that's they say climate is what you expect, weather is what you get. So, who knows? Now, I did check the weather in Washington D.C. today, and it's looking very good. So that's probably good news for our brothers and sisters who are at the March for Life going on today, right now in uh, Washington D.C. And we wish them God's blessings and really hope that the message gets out. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's around this time of year every year. Yeah, it's going wow. on right now, in fact. Uh, this is the, I believe, the 45th anniversary, the 45th March. It's actually the 46th anniversary, if you want to call it that, of the infamous Roe v. Wade decision. Mm-hmm. And the March for Life started the following year, and it's been going on every year since. And so, as I said, we have hundreds of thousands of people out there. Uh, of course, the LCMS has got our own uh, delegation out there. Uh, we're calling it the Eyes of Life group. And you can always spot us by our green hats, and we're always the group that's singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, that's good. And, you know, life, that's an interesting thought. Now, over and above, beginning of life and going on through through the natural end of life. Uh, here's what's been on my mind. I had a, uh, I was just having a casual discussion with one of my friends not too long ago, and we were talking about what the life expectancy is of the United States. And it was pointed out to me that I'm not all that far away from that particular point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, although I'm, I'm in good health and I feel fine, you know, it things happen. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, the first time I, uh, I I ever really faced death, I was 19 years old, and uh, I was in a motorcycle accident that I should not have survived, much much less coming out of the coming out of it with the such minor injuries as I actually had. It was one of those things where I knew I was dead. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. God had something in mind for me because I should not have lived through it. But uh, that's when I realized that, you know, I'm. 
I'm I'm not forever. You know, when you're when you're young, when you're 18 or so, you know, you know intellectually, you know that well, this journey's going to end sometime. But I'm immortal. Nothing can happen mm-hmm. to me. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I've sometimes thought that the difference between the boy and the man is that the the man knows that he can die, and uh, that was the uh, that was the point where the child in me died and the man the man was born. Was that was the time I knew. And my time is limited, and one of these days, it's not going to be there. And now I'm getting closer to the point where I know that there are fewer days ahead of me than there are behind me. And how should I prepare for that? How should any Christian prepare for that time? Somebody- well, it sounds like you have been preparing for it. I mean, I think that, that, that that's interesting that you say, you know, you're kind of your child. In that moment when you were 19, your childhood kind of ended in your adulthood. Um kind of started and you know that that really is reminiscent of what moses says in psalm 90 uh when he says uh teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom and you know that uh, that goes right along with what the psalmist says uh um that the fear of god the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and so when you learn the best way to prepare for death is to learn first of all to fear god um, and, and learn to number your days. And fearing God, what that means, I think a good way to, you know, as far as we talk about how there's kind of two kinds of fear. There's the fear of a slave and the fear of a son. So a slave is just afraid of getting beaten, but then the son is, 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 is afraid of losing the, he fears losing the love. Not that he doesn't have confidence in the love of his father, but he still, he still has that recognition that there's, you know, that he, that, that, uh, the, the worst thing that you could ever imagine is losing this this uh, this good relationship that he has with his father, and so that's the kind of fear that we have as Christians. And and what that means, uh, one 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 expression of this fear of God is uh, <clears throat> found in in Hannah's uh, uh, prayer, her song to God after she uh, after she gives birth to Samuel, and it was all by God's God's will, you know, is God's promise. And she, one of the things she says in there is that um, it's actually very, very similar to the Magnificat. Um, but she, one of the things she says is that the Lord kills and makes alive. And when you understand that, you know, like you said, God has other plans. You know, I was, I was recently. It's really amazing when you think about how, how many close calls you really have. Oh yeah. And yet, and yet, God, God's hand is in all, in it all. Just about a month ago. I started swerving on the road, and I was there was a semi behind me, and it was like, you know, if there would have been a car coming the other way, I would, I likely would have died. You know, it was, and if I if I would have turned, if I would have landed, I thankfully I landed on, uh, kind of pulled a cookie and landed on the on the side of the road and was able to pull back before the semi came. But I mean, any little thing could have gone differently, and I could have I could not be talking to you today. You know, and then just. Just the other day, on our way back from symposium in Fort Wayne, uh, my brother was driving, and then he we heard this this stuff going on in his in his tires, and we were like, okay, well, we better. We got to our destination for the night because we were kind of taking. We weren't driving all the way home, and and uh, and then he brought into the mechanic, and turned out that his wheel was just his tire was like minutes within minutes of falling off right there on the interstate in in Chicago, you know? So it's it's one of those things that like, wow, God is, God takes care of you. And, and, uh, and, and he, he decides when you are going to die. And when you acknowledge that, that's the first step I think in preparing for death 
acknowledging that God, who was angry at our sins and put his anger aside for Christ's sake, that he has determined when we would live and when we would die. And that right there uh, is, is, is really what it means to fear, love, and trust in God. And then from there, I think another thing that I would add is get into, well, what has God given us here in this life? Um, to prepare for death, and I think the, the 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 obvious answer for a Christian would be, well, the gospel, the promise of the resurrection in Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, and then he gives us he gives us he gives this to us most intimately in the sacrament of the altar, when he gives the very body and blood to us, and you know the the uh, uh, like Luther Luther said that that every time you take the Lord's supper, you should you should take it as though you're preparing for death. And um, and this is it's very appropriate then that that in many of our settings in the liturgy, um, we sing the the song of Simeon, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to your word. You know, mm-hmm. and that that so so recognizing that God is the one who kills and makes alive, but also then taking refuge in the gospel proclaimed to you and also even placed on your tongue. Um, that's the best way uh, to start off preparing for death. Well, you know, you, you've really hit a hit a point uh, is the fragility of life, and you know how quickly it can end. I mean, I look back at my life, and I can count a number of times where my life was actually in danger uh, over and above mm-hmm. that motorcycle accident. I mean, I've, I've I've looked on the wrong side of a gun a couple of times. Uh, I can think of uh, one fire where I almost was killed. Uh, I've had uh, some heart attacks. <laughs> Little yeah. things like that, and you, it can happen. And you know, and I've had friends who, friends and relatives, you know, who just suddenly died, no warning. They're just gone. So you know, you have you have to know it can happen at any time, and you always mm-hmm. have to be prepared for it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, with that, it's 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 analogous to the last judgment. You know, we kind of go through two judgments. We have we have the judgment that happens at death. And then there's the last day where Jesus comes to judge the living and the dead, and, and we, you know, we escape the second death because we have uh, we've been baptized into Christ, and um, and and we have we have and that's the that's the first resurrection, you know, is being raised with Christ in our baptism. Um, Revelation speaks of this, um, and uh, and and when you you know another thing then to consider is that throughout your life, like you said, you know, you have all those close calls. And uh, and you and then you see how other people are taken at any time, mm. um, and that you could really be taken, and and so this really does have to do with what Jesus says about the last day, which you could also apply to your death. Is always be awake and be sober. You know the apostles are saying this all the time. You know walk as children of the light, and not of the darkness. You know be awake, and this is why it's important that when you um, that when you prepare for death. That your mind be sober. That your mind be. I mean, this is one of the things that I've, I've ex- I explained to my congregation about drunkenness. That what makes drunkenness a sin isn't that you're having one too many beers. You know, it's not simply. It's not merely the overindulgence. Although that is certainly wrong. I mean, you could do that with food too, and, and really with anything with leisure. But really, what with, with the, the evil of overindulgence, and then specifically of drunkenness, isn't just the the kind of material you know, that you're putting into your body, but rather what comes out of the body, which is, which is a stupor, which is, you know, like that your mind, it messes with your mind so that your mind is not concentrated on Christ and, and on his word, you know, St. Paul says, set your mind on things above. He talks about, um, 
be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Um, and uh, and drunks do some really stupid things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they're not thinking straight. They're not. They're not. Um, you know, being. Uh, they're not being wise. You know, like the like the like the virgins. You know, the the, the parable of the ten virgins. You know, you've got the five virgins who are wise and the five that are foolish. Well, what may, what is it about the five virgins that makes them wise? It's that they have oil in their lamps. It's that they have the thing that God gave them. They have the faith that God gives them through his word in Christ. And when we mess with our minds and we allow ourselves to be idle and to, you know, kind of be controlled in our minds by other things, whether it's alcohol or even, even like computers and stuff like that, um, you know, that, that is not, that's not a way to prepare for death. We should always be aware of it at all times. And, that's hard because it kills the old Adam. The old Adam doesn't want to think about death. The old Adam wants to think, ah, oh, well, you know, I got a, I got some years left. And, um, but the new man is always looking for the, the appearing of, appearance of Christ. Um, there's, a, a, a the, that, that verse in second Timothy, um, chapter four, where, where Paul is saying, you know, I fought the good fight, I finished, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. And then he goes on to say, and now there is laid up for me that crown of righteousness, which Christ will give to me and to all those who love his appearing. Now that word, love his appearing, other ways that that's translated is those who long for his appearing, you know. And, and that's, that's kind of the question then that you, you, you should ask yourself when you are thinking, thinking of death and pondering death. Where is my heart? And there you will know where your treasure is, or where is your treasure? What is it that you treasure? Um, and as Jesus says, what you, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when you consider that, and you ask, okay, well, is a long life, is that really, you know, a healthy life? I mean, are these things we think, thank God for? Obviously, yeah. And God gives them to us because he loves us, but what is our real treasure? And that's what we should, you know, so, so then we can make the conclusion with St. Paul, hey, to live is Christ, to, and therefore to die is gain. And so whether I'm living or I'm dying, I am looking forward to what Christ has given me. Well, I recall, um, as weird as this is going to sound, uh, the last time I thought my life was truly in danger, uh, I was in the hospital in an intensive care unit. And uh, what was so weird about it, uh, Andy, is that, Andrew, is that the... Um, it was in. It was one of the most peaceful periods of my life. I was just lying there, and suddenly, you know, all these horrible worries that I had—the job, the war, the, you know, the, the making the rent, doing all this stuff—it didn't matter. You know, the, yeah. only, the only question was: Was I going to live, or was going to, or was I going to die? And it was uh-huh. completely out of my hands. And if I live, yeah. then hey, that's fine. You know, I'd go back to it. If I die, well, I'm going to be with God, so I win that way too. Yeah, that's that's wonderful, and that and that's how that's that that's how Christians think. You know, this is and I when I was twelve years old, um, not you know not to uh, uh, share all my experiences where I thought I was I was going to die, but the, the probably the most intense one was when I was twelve years old, and we went on a field trip. Um, it was the day after, and this 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 uh, puts me at how young I am. Um, it was the day after the Rams beat the Titans in the Super Bowl, and the <laughs> Titans were just uh, a foot or less than a foot away of a touchdown to win the game. And so then the next day we had a, our field trip uh, 
in sixth grade to go to the uh, to go to the ski resort, and we went skiing. And it took me forever to get off the stupid bunny hill. And I finally got up the bunny hill, and they gave me they, they gave me the pass to go to the next uh, the next hill. And so I get on the ski lift, and uh, and somehow I ended up kind of getting off because I thought it was I, I was was confused. And then I'm sitting there hanging on the ski lift with my skis, and before I know it, you know, I've dropped my skis and my and I'm hanging about 35 feet up in the air, <laughs> and I could not get up. There was no way I could get up, and the only way it would be if they backed it up, but they weren't backing it up. And um, so I, um, so I said, I prayed, dear God, please forgive me for all my sins for Jesus' sake. And then I just dropped, and I thought I was dead there. And it was, but but I think that your your description of kind of that experience that you realize that. There's nothing I can do, and it's actually a really good spot to be in. Um, it, you know, if only we were in that spot all the time. You know, where where we just always commend ourselves to God um, completely. And this is, you know, Saint Saint Peter says in First Peter five, he says, you know, cast casting all your anxieties on God who cares for you. But he says that immediately after, he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. It's, un, it, it's in being humbled under the mighty hand of God where you realize that there's nothing you can do, and you are totally reliant on God's gracious fatherly mercy in Christ that you learn to cast everything on him. And it is a very, as you know from experience, yeah. it's a very peaceful um, experience to have in faith in Christ. You know, there's a, a country song out called um, uh, Live Like You Were Dying. Yeah. I'm, I, ah, I can tell by your voice. You've heard it. Mm-hmm. And that I think Isn't that Tim McGraw, I think I believe you're right. That is Tim McGraw. Yeah. And uh, for the our listeners who aren't familiar with it, it's a song about a guy who's found out that he's dying, and it was a liberating experience for him. Uh, so what did you do? Well, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I rode 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, and I loved longer. And I and the whole thing, where he he was free of all the inhibitions and all the restrictions and all the worries and all the old Adam. And he knew what he could do then. He, he could be the husband that he always wanted to be. He, he could be the, uh, one line, beautiful line was, I was free to be the friend, I was free to be a friend that a friend would want to have as a friend. Mm. And, uh... Yeah, well, you know, and I've thought about that song before, too, uh, that, uh, you know, one thing to consider, though, is that the old Adam can be very deceitful. Because mm. I think that an unbeliever can hear that song and and resonate with it. You know, I mean, what are you doing? You know, it's like, again, it's like what Jesus says: where your heart is, there your where your treasure is, there your heart is. And you know, not that it's wrong to go skydiving and go climb a mountain and and uh, go go uh, you know go bull riding and stuff like that. You know, but you know, all things in, in Christian freedom. Yeah. Um, but what is it that we really, you know, if you found out that you had like a month to live, I mean, you know, you get to ask that question, well, what would you do? Well, it's, uh, and there's a quote that's attributed to Luther, and I don't remember if it's actually genuine or not. It might be one of those faux quotes, but it kind of sounds, it kind of sounds like Luther, where he, he's asked, if you knew that tomorrow was Judgment Day, what would you do? And he said, I'd plant an apple tree, you know. <laughs> You know, and, and, and uh, you know, basically I do my duty. I do what God has given me to do in faith. Mm-hmm. And, um, and but, but have that peace because 
um, you know, the old man, if the old man finds out that he's dying, well, he's going to want to go and prove himself and go and, you know, and there's, so it's, it's, it, it's, it's a subtle thing. It's a deceitful thing. And not, and that's not to say necessarily that those sentiments of like, you know, obviously loving more and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, that, 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 that those are bad. Um, but the main thing, uh, is that we recognize what God has given us in Christ and that we, the, you know, and I, I really, this is something that, uh, I, I, I think I struggle, I can speak for myself, but I often struggle with a lot of fear of dying and it's because I'm a sinner and I know that I'm a sinner and I stand before God who's holy. And, um, and it's, uh, and you know, because of my sinful flesh, I love my, I love my life on earth too much, you know, and, and, that, and that's, uh, and yet what's the, what do I learn from God? I learn, I learn to love what he, the inheritance that he has given me in Christ. And, uh, and, and, and so it, it really is, um, uh, I, I'm confident in Christ, not myself, that when I do face death, and even if it, it's much, a lot of pain, um, as Paul says, these momentary afflictions, you know, cannot compare, you know, are only preparing us for the, for the glory, uh, uh, that, that Christ will give us. And, um, and so those are, but, but, but getting to kind of what, what the point that you were making with that song too, is that, yeah, there, there is that, that peace that where you just, everything else is, you know, it's it, like, I was talking to a pastor, no, no, my wife, my wife, uh, uh, her, there was a member of her congregation growing up who was just a, uh, a good Christian man who was, you know, repentant and had, had been humbled in many ways and was just, you, you couldn't find a man who, who, who exemplified a Christian faith uh, more. And he was dying. And uh, my wife is like, he, she would go and care for him at his house and she'd ask him, what do you want me to do with this bill? And he's just like, uh, oh, don't worry about it. And he was just so calm. And he just knew he was dying, but he knew that he was going to go to be with Jesus. And and I hope and pray that I can have that same contentment, you know, um, and calmness and peace that, that he had. Well, that's, so. that's part of being, the, of being a Lutheran. We know that there's nothing that we can do to earn our place in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, we're... we're if God is just, we're going to hell, but he is a merciful God. And because yeah. of the sacrifice of his son, all we have to do is to have faith. Yeah. And you know, it's great. You say, you know, if he's just, yeah, I mean, according to the law, then yeah, we're going to hell. But then what's great about the atonement is that Christ has turned that wrath away. He's paid the penalty for us. And so as, as, as Paul, this is why Paul says in Romans 3, that, that he may be just but also at the same time, the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. You know, so he remains just because the penalty has been paid, his justice has been met. And yet, in that, he is merciful beyond, beyond any comprehension. <clears throat> so. And it's, uh, that is one of the rewards of being a Christian. And it's, uh-huh. uh, you know, I, I, I often, uh, pity is perhaps the wrong word, but I mean, I look at... Uh, acquaintances, friends, and relatives of mine who aren't Lutheran, but who are Christian, but they are so concerned about earning enough merit, I guess. And, uh, and I keep trying to tell them, <laughs> you'll, do the, you'll do good because this is what God wants you to do, but it's just not going to earn you your position in heaven. It's there for you. It's free. 
Yeah. And once you accept that, you're free to do what God wants you to do. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's really the goal of death. I could probably summarize it right here. The goal of death is to have a good conscience. Mm. And how do you have a good conscience? Well, the answer of a good conscience, as St. Peter says, is in your baptism, whereby God saved you from sin in Christ, who died for you. And uh, and when you when you add all this other stuff, it can be more subtle than other times than other uh, uh, than, than other statements about you know how we get to heaven. But but if you add works and obedience to this to the equation, as though you need to like now somehow pay your part of the bargain to God, then you're just taken away from that good conscience that you can only find in Christ, and you're trying to achieve that good conscience through some other means, and that's just, that's where it's dangerous. And that's why it's so important that we Lutherans understand that our confession is the the true Christian confession, not to say that others who aren't Lutheran are not Christians, but that there is that danger, you know, that that, that our, our, our theology is biblical theology that, that teaches us to have a good conscience, not in ourselves, not in what we do, but in Christ. Very wise words. Well, we're going to have to take a break here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, and uh, I want to let our listeners know, you want to join in this conversation. If you have questions about your own mortality, this is the time to talk about it. You can give us a call here anywhere in the St. Louis area at area code 314-821-0850 or toll-free in North America at 1-800-730-2727. We're talking about mortality. We'll be back in about three minutes. Hi, this is Bart Day, President and CEO of the Lutheran Church Extension Fund. On September 1 of this year, I started in my new position at LCEF, completely humbled by the call to serve. LCEF has faithfully served the church for the last 39 years, and the work of providing funds and services for the sharing of the gospel of Christ, well, that work will extend long into the future. Together, our investors and borrowers look forward to a bold future of serving you and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit us at lcef.org to learn more. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The prophet Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning prayer at 7 a.m. and evening prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. 
The broadcasts of Morning Prayer and Evening Prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life. Sabbath day is a day of rest, of abstinence from work. It's an idea found in the account in Genesis 2-2. So on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And God's commandment in Exodus 20 verse 8, that the Israelites remember the Sabbath day. In Jewish traditions, Sabbath is observed from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday. People around the world also set aside Saturday or Sunday, recognizing the value of a time of rest. But did you know Christians traditionally worship on Sunday to remember the resurrection of Jesus, as described in the Gospels? The transition from the Jewish Sabbath on Saturday to Sunday may have been done to distinguish early Christians from other sects. Engage with the Bible in the traditions surrounding this book of all books. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk the Pastor is In. You're listening to Worldwide KFUO. I'm program host Kip Allen, and our guest pastor today is Pastor Andrew Preuss, who is the pastor of two parishes up in Iowa. We've got them in St. Paul and at, uh, I can't read my writing here. Actually, I can read it. It's just I don't have my glasses on. Trinity. <laughs> Dan, I tell you, getting old is, uh, uh, oh, you got some problems. Speaking of being near death. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, we were we were talking about how we face our own mortality. But, you know, there, there's there's more to it than just us. We are involved with other people, mm-hmm. and our deaths, our passing, will affect them as well. And this is something I think that we should consider um, as we think about our own deaths, not just that our own for our own soul, but what about those people around us? What things should we do for them to to ease the passage for them? You know that. My mother used to say that, uh, you know, funerals are for, are for the living, not for the dead. And she's absolutely right. And uh, I remember when she passed, uh, my brother and I threw a party, which is what my mother wanted. <laughs> so mm-hmm. got her friends together and we had a party and we, we, we told stories about her and remembered her. Um, mm-hmm. But what should be done? I, I, and again, I'm going to, to delve a little bit into my personal history here. Uh, I've mentioned to you that uh, I'm, a, I'm a widower. <clears throat> I mm-hmm. have since remarried. But my uh, my late wife, uh, she was sick for about a year and a half. And uh, for the entire period, there, she was in utter denial that she was dying. And even up to a week before she was she she passed away. She was still saying, well, when I get better, you know, well. But the thing was, is that because of that, she refused to make any plans or any procedures or any wishes that she, once that she wanted. And uh, it was a very difficult time for me because I didn't know what her wishes were. I didn't know how to handle it, really. And this is something I want to discuss a little bit. Now, what should we do, you and I as Christians, to ease our passing for those who we love? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, it, it goes back to uh, our goal as Christians uh, in this life is to is to have a, 
have a conscience that's ruled by the Word of God. Now, the only thing that's going to do that is is the gospel of Christ. Um, and it's not like we can just have like a five-step principle that's going to make us have a good conscience. Now, the, the, the but but it's, it's the gospel of Christ which which cleanses by the death of Christ uh, our our um, our consciences from dead works to serving the living God. Okay, so then we're serving the living God. So what does that mean? Well, it means that we delight in His law. That is, we delight in hearing, loving, and trusting in God above all things, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And well, obviously, we still have our sin, and we're not going to do that perfectly, which is why we still need the gospel constantly. Um, that's nevertheless what our new man wants. And so whether you're dying or living, your goal in life is to serve your neighbor. And your neighbor is whomever God... Um, puts in front of you, um, specifically, you know, like your spouse and your children and your, your, your other, other friends and relatives uh, that, that God has given you to, to love. And so it, it's really not that much different. Uh, you know, say, for example, you know, when, when, I'm, uh, when, when my wife and I uh, make our budget for the month, you know, we go over our budget for the month, well, why are we doing that? We're doing that so that we can serve those who are in our care, and also support our church, um, you know, support other people who are in need, you know, who we might have some money set apart for that. So it should be no different than when we die. And so we should ask ourselves, okay, well, what is our true treasure? Our true treasure is Christ. And, uh, and, um, and so what do we do with all this treasure that God's given us, this earthly treasure? Well, we give it to Christ, and that what that means is not necessarily that we give it all to the church, but we give it to those who need it. Um, now, that's kind of second, tab- second table of the law sort of sort of things. You know, we serve our neighbor, and so we, we want to be able to prepare in whatever way we can to help those whom God has given us to help when we die. And uh, whether you have much or little, you know, you try to do that. Um, and uh, But also, I think the most important thing is... Uh, is, is which which is in respect to the first table of the law um, is to keep the faith and confess it and uh, one one thing that I uh, I think the greatest reward that um, my when my 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 grandma recently died last spring and she what she did in her life was I mean certainly she had you know she she had monetary blessings from God but the greatest blessing she had was the gospel, and so she confessed it, and she taught her children. And her so she had all these children and grandchildren coming to her funeral, confessing the gospel. And, uh, you know, it's like what the proverb says, uh, that, that her children will rise up and call her blessed. So the most important thing, um, even if, you, if you're not that great with money, <laughs> um, and some people are going to be better than, than others, the most important thing is that we concentrate on what it means to be a Christian before God, to confess His Word, as Jesus says, those who confess me before men, he will, I will confess them before my Father in Heaven. Um, and so when you're, if you know that you're dying, the number one thing that you want to do as a Christian is to let everyone know what it is that you believe, what it is that you confess. And you might not be the best at planning out the inheritance and all that other stuff, um, but whatever you do there, it should be driven by the motivation of loving God and trusting in Him and confessing His Word, um, and, and that that would go through. And So, I mean, like, I guess what I'm saying is I can't—I mean, I, 
I'm no financial planner, you know, I, you know, as far as inheritance stuff and leaving a will and stuff like that, I mean, those are good things, but they should be driven by the motivation to love God and love your neighbor, to confess the gospel and thereby to, uh, to, to, to do what God, what is pleasing to God, which is to take care of your family, um, your loved ones and support your church, you know? So those, all those things should be taken into consideration. Well, I think... Um, I think there, there's there's more to it than that. It's certainly, the spiritual aspect is vitally important, but there's also the practical. I mean, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, my wife had made no plans whatsoever and didn't even want to talk about it. Uh, my mother, on the other hand, uh, who died very suddenly, she was not ill, was not expected, had made plans for everything. Of course, she mm-hmm. was she she was German. They do that. <laughs> yep. But I mean, it was just we knew exactly like you know yeah. It, this this case goes to her sister Valerie. This case goes to her niece uh, Laura. Things yeah. like that. And uh, I know. And my dad, for example, had written a, uh, a, a two or three page letter to both my brother and myself uh, years before he died, saying, "Okay, this is how we want this thing handled. Not a will. Not not." A thing like that. It was just expressing the desires and and how yeah. he thought these things should go. <clears throat> I know within in my case, uh, I've I've already made uh, arrangements on what to do with uh, what's left of me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. once my once my soul's gone, I don't care about the body anymore. But I've already made. Well, some... you should you should still care about the body because God's going to raise it up on the last day. That's true. He so... will. <laughs> he will. Uh, but I think my body can be used to help his uh, his cause. You know, for example, I'm an organ donor. Okay, yeah. Things like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and well, yeah, and it goes back to loving your neighbor, you know, and, and that's where, I mean, you, you get into the specifics, you know, um, as you say, kind of the practical aspect of it. Yeah. And that's certainly, I mean, that's certainly true. I mean, one of the things that that my, my predecessor, actually, uh, the congregation here, he put together this, this funeral manual, which isn't just fa- planning the funeral, but it gets into kind of what, you what you should uh, consider with other kinds of planning and um and it makes it a lot easier for for the family and if you consider now some people die suddenly and they're not you know they don't they don't think that they're going to die for another number of years and so they you know so if you have sudden deaths you know those things it happens are, uh, it happens you know and um but yeah, I mean, we should be motivated by the love of God and the love of our neighbor to take into these, take into consideration these things. And sometimes I wonder if some people end up doing this after they have to go through it with maybe their parents or their spouse or something, and then they realize, wow, this is a lot of work. You know, figuring out how to how to do what to do with all the the assets, what to do with with uh, with the funeral planning and all that kind of stuff, and. Uh, and it really, and then they, they're probably then motivated from there to plan their own death, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the kind of things there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you that those, you know, that, that that's, that's very, very beneficial. And it, it's, it's all, it's about loving your neighbor and, uh, you know, and, and sometimes, and as we get older, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier that, you know, you kind of, you kind of grow up and you sort of learn, um, you, you sort of, you sort of learn just like you learn how to die or how to prepare for death as you get older, you learn these practical things too, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe when you're younger, you have life insurance or something, you know, or but then you get, you know, as you get older, you start to kind of consider, you know, I got older members in my congregation who go and pick out a, a, a plot, you know, 
for in the, at the cemetery and stuff like that. And, and I, and I hear that and I'm like, wow, I mean, I, I'm not doing that, but you know, that those are, I'm sure those are things that if you are conscious of, if you are aware of death and you're not in denial about it and you're waiting for it, well then it's going to make it a lot easier to consider these things mm-hmm. and to say, yeah, the world's likely going to still be spinning when I die. Um, and life is still going to be going on for other people. And uh, so what can I do to help them? And uh, that's so, a very good observation. I mean, uh, one of the things uh, that a person should keep in mind is how they want to be remembered. Uh, you know, I, 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 spent, yeah. I spent most of my career in, uh, in secular journalism. And one of the first things that, you know, a cub reporter is going to have to do or assignment, at least it was when I first got in the business, was you had to write your own obituary. Because uh, you know, a lot of people start out at the obit desk, and they have to write other people's obituaries. But to write your own as well, and it's uh, you know, first of all, it's a good experience in terms of how to write it. But the thing is, is that that's important. How do you want to be remembered? Yeah. And so I, I don't know how many times I've written my own obituary. I mean, every time I go to a new place, I write, I write it. But you know, I've got what picture I want selected. You know, if, if that goes into my obit. Uh, and uh, I've got to update it now since I'm <laughs> at a new place and doing new things. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, that, that's a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, yeah. That, well, and, and one of the things with obituaries, I agree, that, that's a very good practice. Um, and then to kind of keep revising it as you, as you go along. Um, but uh, but the, the first thing that every Christian obituary should begin with is, is obviously when you were born, where you were born, but also when and where you were baptized, and if possible, by whom, you know? And and that makes it, I mean, just from a pastor's point of view, too, it, it's really a comfort for me when I see that right away in the, the obituary, that I see that, that's where they begin. Mm-hmm. They begin with who they are in Christ, and, uh, and then from there flows everything else. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of, what does the thief on the cross say to Jesus? Remember says, me remember me. What he wants is for God to remember him. He wants the Son of God dying on the cross for his sins to remember him. And that's what, so if we, when we have, when we consider how we want other people to remember us, I think the first thing that we should, that we should desire for them to remember about us is that we first of all want God to remember us Mm. and Christ to remember us. And when they see that, then that speaks volumes a great witness to the gospel because that's a, you know like your mom said you know this is for the the funerals for the living and not the dead yeah and and what is it it's a confession of the gospel that's what it should be for a christian funeral it is uh but you know god is always going to remember us that's his promise to us mm-hmm. how do we want to be remembered by those we left behind uh i i wrote a couple of feature articles on uh, cemeteries, of all things. And what, what I would do is I would walk through the cemeteries and read the, uh, the the tombstones. You know, it's the last statement these people make to the world of the living. And, you know, mm-hmm. and it was... Uh, the, the universal message that I found from these people was, I was loved. Mm. Yeah. And it's a... Uh, and that, that shows that, that I think that that's a natural, um, that's a na- kind of a natural human desire. Mm-hmm. You want to be loved, um, but by whom? And uh, and that's uh, you know, there's a great hymn 
that uh, on my heart and print that image that it's a great hymn to teach to your children or to your or just to yourself you know when you're the, like a it's it's one like when we put the kids to bed and I'm tired and I'm like all right let's sing this hymn because it's one stanza you know and and because uh, we always sing a hymn before they go to bed and it, it's on my heart and print that image uh, blessed Jesus King of Grace that life's riches cares and pleasures uh, may not me the uh, uh, um, Let's see, I gotta sing it. On my heart and print thine image, blessed Jesus, King of grace, that life's riches, cares, and pleasures may not be uh, thy, uh, may not from thy uh, faith, gracey faith, or something like that. Man, I can't believe I forgot that word. <laughs> um, but but uh, anyway, then it says, This the superscription be, Jesus crucified for me, is my life, my hope's foundation, and my glory and salvation. Well, that word superscription, you know, that often. It refers to the the sign above Jesus, right? Oh yes. You know, but 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 it it really resembles the sign upon your tombstone, and so I have my there was a guy that I that I grew up going to church with, who was uh, uh, had my dad as a pastor, and when he died, um, he had written on his tombstone, um, "Jesus crucified for me is my life, my hope's foundation, and my glory and salvation." You know, so this let the superscription. Um, let that clear inscription read this, you know, upon my tombstone. This is what I want on my tombstone, that I am a child of God and that Jesus died for me. And that, I mean, that, so that's why, you know, we, we, you get all this stuff in funeral homes where they, they'll, they'll say, oh, well, you want like a, you want uh, like your favorite car, your favorite like sports team or whatever on your casket. Mm. Well, a great thing to have in your casket is a, maybe, maybe a crucifix, right? Or, or a baptismal shell, or something like that. You know, saying this is who I am, and uh, that, and and from there, then flows everything else. Um, you know that you are a loving, a loving husband. You know, you are a loving brother, and and a, a faithful friend, and all this stuff. But none of that means anything if you are not first and foremost a child of God in Christ. Absolutely. Oh yeah, that, that is so true. You know, you have to remember what priorities. And the first, first and foremost, you were a child of God. He is your father. He has loved you. Love him. He loves you even past death. And uh, then there are the living. So it's how you how you go and do that. I, th- I think if there was one piece of advice I could give to people, um, it would be to sit down with your loved ones, maybe one day, and just talk about it. Talk about the end. How, how, what do you want? How do you plan for it? What are your needs? Uh, my wife and I did this just recently, and, and it actually got down to some nitty-gritty, for example. Okay, now, I'm in charge of these bills. You're in charge of those. What happens if I'm gone? Yeah. You know, and so she'll take care of that, or I'll take care of this. Gee, what's the password to that particular account? Things like that that you don't think about. And you need to. You need to, because it's going. Your, your passing is going to affect so many people in so many ways that you just can't anticipate yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I just remembered the line actually. It's it, that that life's riches, cares, and pleasures have no power thee to efface. That is to efface me um, from from you, and 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 you know uh, that. And that's that's the that's the that's the point is that that our prayer throughout our life is that we would not be taken away. That nothing would have the power to take us away. And that's and that's what we should declare in our. In our, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, 
in our in our funeral. And so going back to what you were just saying, you know, about uh, you know planning. Okay, well, what are we going to do if if you if you if you die or if I die? Well, this is that is all driven by that that same prayer, you know, because what what you want for your wife is uh, is, is 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 to be taken care of. And the reason why you want that is because you know that God is taking care of you. And so, you know, that, that's, so, so I guess what we've been talking about a lot with these kind of the practical aspects of preparing for death, this is like second table of the law. You know, this is love your neighbor as yourself. And in your case, it's mainly your wife, but it's also like your, your other loved ones. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but what it, what it's all driven by is the first, the first table of the law, which is all fulfilled in Christ. And it's given to us in full, um, by, by his Holy Spirit who, 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 who creates faith in our hearts. And we're thereby motivated by that to to say, hey, everything that I do, whether I'm planning for a budget or, you know, figuring out what, what I'm going to do today, that we begin every day in prayer and um, we end every day in prayer and, and by the Word of God and, um, you know, to live as Christ, to die of gain. And if that's our motto, then these practical things that you're talking about really fall into place. Well, we've got a caller on the line, James from St. Louis. He wants to know how death enhances the church. James, you care to expand on that? Yes, yes, and I really, really appreciate this uh, uh, push talk. It's, it's very practical, and, and it's one of the, the first times I ever heard it approached this particular way. Uh, but I, I think that no Christian is an island entire to itself. And every believer is a piece of the collective Christian conscience, a part of the body. And if a soul is washed away by death, the visible church is the last. And as well as the family, as well as all the friends and the civil community for which uh, the person resided. And any believer's death diminishes me because I'm involved in mankind. Now, uh, my question for pastor is, does the death of a believer enhance the church triumphant and diminish uh, the church militant? And uh, my question for the moderator is, do you think that we live our life uh, for current accolades or future reward among the great crowd of witnesses to come? And I'll hang up to this. Well, thank and you, thank James. You I appreciate this. that. Thank- That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me try to answer mine first to James, and then I'll pass it sure. on to you. Uh, uh, James, I think, yeah, we do live for for both the accolades and for the uh, rewards, but I think it's because it's the old Adam uh, in us. You know, we, we, we seek yeah. these rewards. We seek this, this pleasure, this satisfaction, this gratification. And I don't think necessarily that that is God's will. I think that might be the old Adam's will, and it's something we have to be aware of. And just think of you know what it is, what is God's will as opposed to our will. Yeah, that's excellent, and, and you know that dovetails into kind of my response. And you know, does this does this uh, add to the church triumphant? Well, most most certainly. You know, there's another another sheep called home, um, um, a child of God called home to to, to glory. But does it diminish, diminish the, uh, the the church militant? Absolutely not. And then precisely for the reason that that you were just saying, Kip, uh, about the old Adam. When you die, the old Adam is totally put away. So if, if I mean, think about it this way. If that's one more uh, uh, old Adam put to death, then that is a, and then a child of God then brought home. 
that is great encouragement for the church triumphant or the church militant um, here on earth. And, um, um, and, and I mean, think of it like, uh, you know, there's the old saying that, you know, the church is built on the blood of the, on the blood of the martyrs and why it's not that it's the merit of the martyrs. No, it's only Christ's merit, but it's because of what those martyrs, those witnesses to Christ who died for the faith. And that could even include those who don't necessarily die out of persecution, but just simply face death, face the temptations of the devil while they're dying, and still make the good confession. And that is a great encouragement for the church triumphant. I'm going to point church, out Maggie Carter. Church, uh, militant. I'm going to point out Maggie Carter as the example for that. And you may recall she passed away. Absolutely. But, oh, yeah. yeah. She had that horrible, horrible uh, glioblastoma disease and chose, fought it every step of the way. Yeah, and uh, particularly when contrasted with with uh, uh, that other lady whose name escapes me right now, uh, who's had the same disease but committed suicide. Yeah, and Maggie so begged that woman not to do that. Yes, exactly. And she she made a good confession. That's a great example. She made a good confession, and yeah, that was really public, and a lot of people saw that. It was. But even but even even if you are kind of a no name. Christian, and not many people know who you are except for your close friends and relatives, when you die in the faith confessing Christ, you are, you are by God's grace, um, burying with your brothers and sisters in Christ here on earth. And, uh, and that word that you speak is not your own. It is God's word, and, and that is a great testimony then to strengthen the Church here on earth, to bear the afflictions that God places upon, upon her. Um, and to uh, to look for that that uh, look forward to that glory which is promised to her, which you now enjoy um, in in paradise, um, and, and in the presence of of God and the Lamb and, and His kingdom, and that's you know that's uh, you know so how is really this is the way that the church militant is is strengthened is through the cross, you know it's uh, just as Jesus by His cross redeemed us, He gives us a cross to uh, to strengthen us by bringing us closer to his word absolutely and, uh, so and the fact that and the fact that, uh, and the fact that e- when we die in christ's name if we have lived uh, even if we haven't lived as a way that perhaps we should but we have confessed god we have confessed jesus love we know that that we are leaving behind people who know that we did that and perhaps maybe that opens the way for them as well pastor I want to thank you so much for being on the program. We have discussed some very important issues here. And James, I want to thank you for calling in. Your contribution was terrific. I also want to give special thanks to Pastor Emeritus Fritz Bowie for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Lord, and Honor as a theme song for Let's Talk the Pastor is In. Pastor Bowie's music and books are available at Amazon.com. I'm host Kip Allen wishing you God's blessing. been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.